This program is intended for mature audiences only. Altitude adjustment may contain language, images, or other content that some may find offensive. Your discretion is advised. Welcome to Altitude Adjustment. Guests, we have Karen Turk, K-A-R-Y-N-T-U-R-K dot com. Karen Turk is a TV and radio personality. She's featured in Fake News, a Trump story, a video on Amazon Prime videos. She's coming up on April the 2nd. On April the 3rd, uh, J.D. Dixon, he is leading the uh, protest, a uh, company protest uh, for Empire 13, which is called, is the, the name of the group, the name of the protest. Mm -hmm. He is uh, in, I guess, negotiations with Empire Comfort Systems. He's, he works at Empire Comfort Systems, and they have some grievances that they're working out. He's also running for mayor of um, Belleville, Illinois. He's coming up on the 3rd. Uh, Trina Martin, a motivational speaker, is coming up. And then Lucia Vasquez is a, a uh, therapist, sex therapist, that help people um, work through trauma uh, that they've experienced that have caused problems with their, their sexual relationship. She's coming up actually on Friday the 23rd of April, um, which is my birthday. i just throw that out there. And, All right. And I do like, you know, chocolate, shrimp, you know, whatever. Sex therapist. <laughs> Sex therapist. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. All right. Fake news, people. He likes them too. Well, you know, so so the the discussion that we had yesterday, and I guess this will get us kickstarted into um, today's discussion. The, the um, thing that I had yesterday was. Um, what did you just say? You said fake news. <laughs> yeah, just fake that news quick. People. I lost. So, so yesterday's discussion was about. Um, we talked about the the Georgia election, or the the government governor signing that legislation. Yeah, mm -hmm. and we talked about. Um, so, so I was trying to bring in the idea. That, that there's more to the story than just what what we've been fed. And um, so I realize that you guys don't see the same thing that I see. I get that. So, so I'm going to be out here in the woods by myself kind of trying to <laughs> pull you guys into the discussion with me. So... Um, so the, the governor, one of the questions I do have for you guys, I, I looked, but I couldn't find it. So they, they are trying to s stop people from providing food and water for people in voting lines. Correct. Do you, either of you guys know why? Uh, no, I haven't heard why. Do you know? No, I couldn't find it. I, I looked they and looked. Haven't Huh? They haven't said why, but my thing is they're evil to bring that legislation up. Okay. Especially since it was the governor's party that put all those things into effect. So one of the ways that people have dealt with that all over the country when they've been when they've intentionally made it where the people had to, minorities especially, had to stand in line for hours to vote. So there were some people that went by and started bringing water, food to them because they stood in line for four or five hours to vote. Sure. Because they took out machines, they closed polling places, they combined polling places, and what have you. And so now in Georgia, as part of this law, they've made it a crime to do that. You could be arrested by police and be charged with it. Sure. I understand that. Mm -hmm. 
It's just the only thing is, is so, so, so the bill had to be de- debated before it's even drafted. Mm-hmm. So are, are, they, are they drafted the bill, then they debated it. So at some point, debate about the bill had to come up. And so parts of the, the all of the parts of the bill are the whole uh, thrust or intent of the bill had to be discussed. And so it's it's interesting to I want to know how that discussion went about um, we want to make it illegal for for people to serve food to other people who are waiting to vote. And, and we know I'm 100 percent on that, Leon. I mean, why can't that information be included in the conversation besides just you can't allow uh, food and water being brought to voters? They somebody has to know why, and we aren't being told. I agree with you on that. Makes no sense. Well, again, I just say it's out of pure evil that you brought something like this in the first place. And to put that, because remember, they talked about it on the news the day he signed it. They got this bill rushed through and voted on within three or four days. They, they had this thing done from the time the Georgia House of Representatives first took their vote to the time the governor signed it, it was in three days. Yeah, but but the bill could have been in draft form for five or six years. You know, that's, I understand what you're saying is that it showed up on the scene, it was voted on, it was passed, put it into place. It's quite possible that they had intent to do this several years ago, and they just found this as an opportunity. It, it might have been that the whole... Uh, voting irregularity thing, um, Trump, you know, claiming votes were stolen was an attempt to for them to find a way to introduce this legislation. So this legislation could have been laying around, and they needed an uh, and they needed a reason to pull it out of the drawer. And it's quite possible that that's the case. So I understand what you're saying. You know, it passed in a short period of time. the The, the real question that I'm having is. So um, they don't allow you to poll within 25 feet of a polling place. So that means within 25 feet of the polling place, you can't hand out literature. You can't talk to somebody about what vote they're going to have and those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So, so is this law? That's why I'm asking. So if anyone out there knows why, or they, they put these particular uh, stipulations into this voting law, are they trying to keep people from polling other people? Are they believing that if you're bringing food and water, because probably the majority, if, if, if we're looking at the Republican Party, and we're looking at the Republican Party um, putting forth this, this voting um, restriction, that probably the people that benefited the most from it was Democrats. So are they trying to, um, what they see is level the field by you not, you know, by them not allowing people to um, give people food and water in lines because they feel like they're, um, you know, um, lobbying those people to vote Democrat. You know, you know, if I give you some food and water, then you go, oh, yeah, I'm going to go vote Democrat. You know, maybe that's what they were thinking. And that, that's the only reason I'm asking that. Well, sure, I understand that. But like you said, there's a, a spatial uh, distance that they have to keep before they can do any kind of, they call it electioneering. Mm-hmm. As long as they're within that boundary, and it's usually so many feet from the pole, it shouldn't matter. If they keep the distance from the boundary, they can talk about whatever they choose. So, you know, that comes under freedom of speech. Sure. Yeah, okay. Well, the thing was, they, when the Republicans put all this in, it was for, let's just say it was for Caucasian voters to get to the polls, because the souls to the polls thing is what it was called when Black voters started doing it. And before the Black folks were doing it, it was the white votes. They was getting together at their churches and going on Sundays and doing it. Now that Blacks have done it, 
and they had in 2020 the elections where they lost quite a few things. The Republicans are codifying their they codifying their intentions to make sure they don't do it. They make they make it sure they they don't do it. Like you know, we talked about we talked about uh they're they're calling the federal laws the laws that Congress want to pass the uh, S one and the HR one uh a uh, 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 federal government power grab. But in Georgia, one of the other things they did, they took all of the power away from the local county election boards. They took the power away from the chief election officer of the state, and they put all the power with the Republican legislature. And they're the first ones to holler the government doing the power grab, but they're doing the same thing now that they've criticized everybody for. So, so by, by, by those metrics, by those measurements, um, so Trump had a tiff with, um, the, I think it was Lieutenant general, the Lieutenant uh, governor, um, because the, he asked them not to certify the election. And he, the guy said, there's no reason to not certify the election. And so it was the secretary of state, secretary of state. So, so this argument or this, you know, situation, this conflict could have been an attempt to, to try to draft this kind of legislation. They knew that they wanted to put this legislation in place. They needed, um, they needed a, a, um, a target, a, something to, to say, this is why we're putting this legislation in place. And, and I think that might have, might, you know, be the, 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 whatever they use to try to get this legislation through on a, um, a national basis. And, and one of the things that you kind of alluded to was the whole state's rights issues. And I know that you wanted to, so I know you wanted to, to address that. So I'm going to let you get started on that. <laughs> well, for, for all of these people that walks around talking about state's rights, it was, Number 10 of the original Bill of Rights. States' rights come in where there was no federal law. If there's a federal law in place, the state automatically sees to the federal law. In the United States, federal law is the law. And no state is supposed to overtake that. But for all of these people that are quick to say states' rights, in these states, the state wants to take over all the county governments and want to take over everything else. And so it's it's the same thing. You're you, you know, you're being hypocrites with that. Okay, so Okay, and that's, that's what I see. Okay, so 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 in my research on the states rights issue. So the uh, it actually comes actually from the, the 13 colonies. So the 13 colonies were individual colonies that had their own government. As the, as the troubles progressed with England, they realized they needed to band together. So they started, uh, you know, working on the, the um, constitution. And they gave, they created a weak federal government. Okay. And then as, as time has progressed, then more and more power has been given to the federal government. But there have still been people who have fought for and believe that, um, that the United States is a, an amalgamation of states and not a unified country. 
that that there should be and, and I think that that's the state the whole argument behind states rights is that um, is that individual states are in and of themselves autonomous and that they don't belong to a greater country so they the um, states rights people are rejecting as much as possible the federal government and so um what 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 i see is happening with the states rights argument is the states rights argument is about weakening in the the federal government so that we're not a we're not um all united under one flag actually what these states right people want to do is they want to eliminate the federal the united states flag in favor of their own state flag to to be the authority for laws and things of that nature well that might be the case and um the way i'm looking at it is is like okay these states want more and more autonomy and they want to separate from the federal government but as we get down that slope eventually they're going to have to decide uh, uh who they answer to and where they get their help from because all the states get federal aid from the government they get a lot of benefits so they got to consider everything that they're getting for um being part of the government and then it's a constitutional situation too because the constitution says in order to form a more perfect union so once you decide you don't want to be in the union then what what laws do you obey how do you succeed is is secession in written into the constitution I, go but just going through what you just said about everybody getting aid from the government Mm -hmm. uh, nine of the top 11 states that got aid from the government are what we call red states. Sure. Kentucky being one. And, you know, we think about Kentucky because Mitch McConnell in the Senate, Kentucky being one, they get more money from the federal government than they turn in to the federal government. New, the state of New York turns in more money to the federal government than they get from the federal government. Uh, so, yeah, I believe there's that thing that wants to, they, these states want to be independent. Texas tried that before and, and, and basically went bankrupt. They, like what they're doing with their own power grid, they're the only state that's not on a national power grid. But what happened this winter? They they lost 111 people because they didn't prepare themselves to run their power grid in the winter. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when it came out back in 2011, the federal government commission told them, "Here's some things you need to do to prepare to be able to give your people power during the winter months." And Texas chose not to do it. And then you had people on the board of the power, or the people that ran the power grid, who weren't even living in the state of Texas. How do you have that? Okay, so, so one of the, the issues that you brought up was that, um, you know, states send money to the federal government and they get money back from the federal government. So there's that, that imbalance. I don't know if I have a problem with that. Because um, if one if if one particular area gets hit with uh, a, a, a disaster, they're going to get more money because we need to we need to be able to go and take care of those people. So I, I don't really have a problem with you know a state you know population changes, population drifts. So mm -hmm. the money that they're going to be able to take in is going to change. And so how do they? So we as as citizens of the United States are responsible for 
you know, the people in Missouri are responsible for the people in Utah. We are responsible for the people in Idaho. Um, and so if, if tax money needs to go to Idaho, that's where it goes. If money needs to go to California, that's where it goes. If California is, is they, they have a huge, let's say they have a huge tax base and they have a huge tax surplus, um, what is the benefit if they retain that huge uh, tax surplus and then the eastern, the eastern half of the country starts to suffer? You know, so so that yeah. so that money. So I don't have a problem with, you know, a state having some issues um, because we are all in this together. And um, when you talked about the secession issue, um, Texas, you know, uh, some of those the southern border states are where goods and services or uh, uh, a lot of the shipping comes in. Maine, mm -hmm. the Eastern Seaboard, uh, Maine, Texas, Louisiana, you know, they're big port cities. And if those states, let's say they secede, um, then the issue becomes uh, we have a foreign nation that, that borders up against us, right? And and a lot of our goods come in through that border nation. That you know that nation where they can start to you know cut off uh, food, cut off uh, imports, cut off uh, textiles, um, and and then how do we, how do we deal with that? So that, so for me the cessation conversation is is not just about a state right issue, but about mm -hmm. a survival issue for the nation as a whole. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, the whole thing is, is, is going to disrupt um, the entire system, you know, the ecosystem, economic system, the political system, when states decide that they want to do their own thing without consequences. Hmm. I think that, um, we need uniformity. We need uniformity in the political process. When you have states going rogue and decide they want to determine who can vote and who not by this extreme legislation, that's just, um, that's not democratic. You know, how can a few states decide they don't want to participate in democracy while everybody else does? Uh, they've got to be held accountable for that. Question is how? So, so you brought up voting and, um, I, I think that's an interesting question as far as I'm concerned. So, mm -hmm. so should individual states be able to pass individual voting rights acts should like, like they can't serve food to people in um in line should a state be able to mandate that should a should a a, a, a state be able to change early voting laws if voting is a national issue and is a national responsibility shouldn't it be governed by national mandate absolutely well, up to this point we haven't had it where all of it was governed by a national mandate. But if you look at it, the genesis of all of this restrictive, super restrictive voting legislation happened when the conservative Supreme Court back in 2000, was that 2011 or 2013, when they took out section five of the, of the uh, Voting Rights Act that was passed in 65 where states like Alabama, Mississippi had to, Texas had to, before they would change their voting laws, you know, like what Georgia just did, it have to go through a clearinghouse first. And John Robbins, the current chief justice was head of the Supreme Court that did that. 
And so within two weeks, five other states started passing laws like Texas. Uh, and that's why you need the current, you need the John, uh, you need the Elijah Cummings Voting Rights Act, SR1 and and uh, how HR1 and SR and S1, uh, because states can get together, smaller units and and do what Georgia just did, and if you make that federal, and if they do that, there's some you can you could you could put some penalties on there, whether they be just civil or criminal. So first of all, it it, it won't be done, but that's what Georgia and Arizona. Wisconsin tried to do. They tried it in uh, Pennsylvania, but it didn't work. So I, you know, so it's been said that, you know, we're headed towards that civil war, you know, another civil war. And, and you can see that, um, mm -hmm. that people don't want to work together, that they, they don't want to, find compromise. They don't want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Because anytime you are a part of something bigger than yourself, you have to sacrifice who you are. You have to sacrifice some of who you are. So the whole concept of team is, is about us and not about I. And um, so we see a lot of it in our politics today that it, it's about I. And so the, the, the we folks are fighting, and I find it interesting that they're finding, finding an uphill battle. Um, but the rhetoric at this point is, is, to me, astronomically crazy. You know, you, so each of us have expressed that we don't um, try to play hard with, you know, um, labels like conservative and um, mm -hmm. um, uh, liberal. independent and liberal. liberal and, you know, radical liberal and all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> because those labels aren't defined enough that they're really indicative of a person's politics. So, so, the people that continue to use those, I think, are using those because that's the only way that they can force people to their side. True. You know, that's the only way. Because if you, if you don't, you know, if you if you don't see yourself as a liberal, and I don't force you into a, into a liberal politics, it's quite possible someone else can co-opt you into conservative politics by saying, you know, those people are radical and you don't want to be a part of that team. You don't want to be a part. You don't want to, you know, cause the things that they're doing are crazy and they're radical. So come on over here with us rational folks. Right. Right. Individualism is missing nowadays. You know, you have to fit into one group or the other. Right. And that's the problem, you know, well, I have views that go both ways. That's why I always want, say I'm independent. Yeah, they want they want to separate people. They want to separate, and you know, like back in the past, during Reagan and during the seventies, you had people that served in Congress and the Senate, and they say when you had these type of uh, impasses that people would get together one side give up some another side give up some and you get things done that was for, for the good of the country ronald reagan when he was president the speaker of the house was tip o'neill and they made a whole lot of deals mm -hmm. they made a whole lot of deals and now i remember when barack obama became president Mitch McConnell said his only goal wasn't to pass legislation that was to make it good for the country. It was to make Obama a one-term president. And he said that out of his mouth in front of everybody. Okay, so it wasn't about doing what was good for America. 
It was about doing what was good for him and the people that think politically like him. Yeah, he kind of he was a predecessor to Trump with that language. Well, well, acting like that, he made it possible for Trump to come in. And yeah. I and I just see so many times where people go to we got to think outside the box. Every time they think outside the box and they bring somebody like Trump in, it does a lot more harm than good. Well, the conversation so so our politics lends itself to that kind of rhetoric. There are a lot of, I think, really intelligent people pushing two-party politics. And mm-hmm. as and, and we see that two-party po- so everything has a everything has a positive side and a possible drawback side. The drawback side mm-hmm. to two-party politics is gridlock. Yeah. So the the so if you've got four or five and I'm not a party politics person, but let's say you got five or six uh, different uh, parties. Usually one party is not going to be big enough to to slow the train. They're going to have to make alliances with other people, which means they're going to have to make compromises when you've Mm -hmm. got a two party system it's quite possible you never have to compromise. And so, and so I, you know, these really intelligent people are trying to hang on to this system that, that they see isn't working. Exactly. And so, and so, you know, how do you, how do you reach these really intelligent people? Well, it's not about, from what I'm seeing, it's not about reaching everybody. It's about, okay, this is the way I think. And I got a group of people, that's the way we think. And we will use the system to game it for the way we think. We want power, we want to keep it, and we'll do what we have to do. Uh, How did we get to the point to where the Senate makes it to where the minority party gets to just be at home and you don't like legislation, all you got to do is call up something and you can stop it in its tracks. And where the, where the minority leader of the, uh, 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 of the Senate can go say, yes, I'm the grim reaper of legislation. Well, so, so, so a system that do, that, that does not force parties to compromise, to work together to me is a system that is eventually going to be plagued by what we are plagued with today. That is I, if I don't have to compromise, I'm not going to, if I can force you to accept what I want, why do I have to compromise? Why do I have to work with you? Why, why do I have to do anything? And, and as we, as we, fight for power the fight for power is about eliminating options and choices it's not about including and creating options and choices in order for me to be powerful i have to limit your choices because if you have more choices if you have more choices you may not pick me and then i won't have power so that's why i think the the two party system is just is broken and and it's never going to be fixed because the the two party system works on the premise that good people will try to do the right thing and as you just pointed out people want power that's not the right thing right but as you've pointed out to me on a few occasions the right thing for me may not be the right thing for everybody. So it's right for me to just want power. And it's not right for everybody that I just had the power at all times. I mean, you know, just like you say, how do you, how do you read someone who, who thinks different than you? If that person just determined that you don't have the right to live, you don't have the right to exist, 
you don't have the right to think I'm never going to reach him. I never will because no matter what is put up there, he's going to always say, well, Leonard don't have the right to live. Leonard don't have the right to exist. Leonard don't have the right to think what he wants to think. And no matter what Leonard does or people like Leonard, I'm going to say it's fraud because it means I don't get to be in charge. Oh, we, we, had a, we, we have a guy like that, the previous guy and who thinks it's right to put kids in cages on the border but if you separate kids from their family you done i'm done okay but if you if you support a system where power is the way to get things done then you're setting up a system where the previous occupant of the White House will eventually wind up sitting and you have to deal with him. If you put a system into place where everything has to be negotiated, where nobody is sitting on top and can make edicts, but have to appeal to people, then what you do is you put a system into place where people aren't going to get what they want. They're going to get some of what they want. And, and the more people that get some of what they want, the better it is for everybody. There is no system where you get all of what you want and it's going to benefit everybody. It's just not going to happen. And that power dynamic is what's killing the system now, which is why we have people who don't have Medicare, uh, who don't have medical resources. It's, mm -hmm. it's the reason we have a system now where people are actually homeless. It's, it's the mm -hmm. reason we have a system that be, it's because, because we've allowed a, uh, a situation where two parties who are really not far from each other as far as politics goes have always maintained the political power. Mm -hmm. And they've never been far from each other. There have been a few things that they've, you know, that they're um, not together on. But, mm -hmm. you know, businesses didn't get to be as powerful as they are today because one side was against business or one side was ab about um, managing businesses better. Right. So they both wanted businesses to be free to do what they want because businesses lined pockets. Exactly. They Both put that sides. money in there. Yeah. And so, and so, and so everybody went hands off. Yeah. So yeah. that's, that's why that I think the two party system fails. And I, and it just, it honestly blows my mind that these really intelligent people are going, we need to save our two-party system. Right. <laughs> we've, we've got more parties. We've got um, the, the Green Party. We've got the Libertarians. We've got uh, other groups. And they're not even very far from each other on stuff. Even the, the current Republican Party is two parties in and of itself. It's fighting itself. So there's a fact, smaller faction in it that's, I don't even know if it's smaller. It may be bigger. Which is why the, 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 the governor passed the laws he passed. Because he knew he had support. You know, you've, you've beat up on um, Mitch McConnell. Mitch McConnell He's kind of the problem and the symptom of a problem. All right, we're going to run, uh, we do our commercials. We're going to come right back. All right. I know you care about the environment, and maybe you want to learn more about sustainability and climate action. Then join me on the Climate Conscious Podcast, 
where my guest and I discuss the issues of sustainability related to the Caribbean and beyond. Together, we'll explore practical solutions for managing our impact on the planet. Tune in every other Wednesday on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow me on Instagram at The Climate Conscious. Welcome to the so-called Oreos podcast, a podcast where Kia, Amari, Rachel, and Janae discuss all the awkwardness, hardship, and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside, also known as an Oreo. Trying to mind my business and be black, that's basically about it. Through intimate conversation and candid interviews, we discuss everything from quote-unquote talking white you talk the way which i guess is supposed to be like you talk proper and i usually think black people sound ghetto and uneducated that's yeah, how that's i perceive when like you say too. you talk so what, white you, mean you don't speak cubanics traveling while black it opened my eyes to a lot of just the small privileges americans have and then it also opened my eyes to as a person of color how difficult it may be to go to another country. It was just a lot of blatant racism. Dating as a black woman. There's just something about the black woman who just really wants to support and see the black man thrive. And even if I'm not in a relationship with a black man, I'm still like- Gonna root for them. I'm still rooting for them. I'm always gonna root for you. I'm always. And a whole lot more. I just love being black. So join us every other Tuesday for intellectual, and funny conversations that will make you embrace your inner Oreo. I'ma light your shit on fire. That's I'ma it. tell your mama. <laughs> What's up? What, 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 what if his Roberta, mama, yo, son cheated on me. But you know some mama be like, well, that's what men do, so why are you surprised? Exactly. No. Old-timey bullshit. Not, I ain't that, having that's it. That's not okay. Experience Altitude Adjustment, a weekly podcast about people, politics, and professions. It's built around user interaction, so join the conversation by visiting the lionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home. Okay, <laughs> so um, so this hit me um when we we talked about secession and um, the United States, you know, versus individual states, and mm-hmm. um, we tried to get him on to come on the show. I wanted to kind of grill him about this, and this is, I think, a, a, su- a subject as closely associated with that. Was, is that me? Can you hear it? Hello. I heard. Oh, that was a vehicle outside here. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> I was like, oh, we're being invaded. <laughs> so uh, Charles Blow says, mm-hmm. you know, that he he thinks black people should all move back to the south and and have our own power base and take over a state. Isn't that is isn't that secession? I guess in a. Uh, yeah, in a form, it is. Yeah. Is that is that beneficial? I don't know. We have to see. We'd have to see how it pans out if it ever happens. <laughs> well, here's it's, my. I think I think it's an idea concept. Uh, you know, if 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 Texas deciding to be, um, now I, I know he's not saying. Or I haven't read the book yet, so I won't say what he's saying from what I know at this point. Um, so this new black South would still be a part of the United States is just consolidating black power. Yeah. Now the difficulty that I have with that is the, we're making it about one group of people. I realize that that we've been mistreated in our current 
positions or places where we live and work. Mm-hmm. But moving off and isolating and self-isolating just for the benefit of uh, creating political power concerns me because when we have one group that becomes all-powerful in an area, they're going to do things for their benefit. So we've got Asians and we've got Latinx and we've got Native Americans and we've got other immigrants coming in. Let's say they want to move to um, Atlanta. We've taken over Atlanta. They want to move to Atlanta. Are we going to make sure we pass laws to make sure that they don't get discriminated against? That they can hold, you know, public office in those areas and that that we're not that we don't start putting up protection because if we've taken over that area, we believe it's ours. We believe it belongs to us. Well, I think you have to have a certain mindset uh, way of thinking before you can do that. And the purpose of um, what something like Blow is talking about is to bring a group of people up. And when you, you talk about succeeding, the succession is already done. Uh, the black folks are already um, concentrated in one area and we see what the results are of that. If we focus on bringing that community up and lifting them up to a higher standard, um, I think that's a good thing, you know, bringing, just unifying the economic power that you have to bring the collective whole up to a certain level so that you can gain power and continue to uh, thrive. Just like when you go back to Black Wall Street and Rose, Rosewood, we were doing fine. We were, we had our own communities and it wasn't by our design, but we had them and we were doing well then. And we were attacked for no reason. I get that, that. doesn't mean that we would do the same thing once we had the power. I'm, I'm having difficulty with that because um, we know that, and uh, that we know that we couldn't do the same things that whites did and get away with it. Um, uh, but look at all of the um, black elected officials that have mm -hmm. been arrested for white collar crime. They realize that their community is suffering. Mm -hmm. They realize that, that they are the beacon of hope for blacks so that we can eliminate some of the um, racial stereotypes. Mm -hmm. And yet, the allure of power and money is absolute. They stole or they bury um, oh, mayor of DC, Marion yeah, Barry. Marion Barry. Chicago. Uh, um, Sawyer? No, Junior. Um, uh, Daly? Huh? Black. He was a black guy recently. Washington. Recently. Washington, Harold Washington. No, I'm thinking he was no. a former, he was a son of a, um, an activist. Jesse Jackson? Jesse Jackson's son. He was arrested, yeah. you know, I mean, I mean, he, he, he had things. I, I don't know what his personal situation was like, um, but, but I would have thought that he, he had opportunities where he didn't have to do what he did. Sure. I, I'm Patrick in Detroit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so when you say that, that we won't, that we're lifting, we're going to lift, you know, us up. We, we've had people in positions that could help lift us up and they fell prey to money yeah. and power. Money and power. Right. right. 
But at the same time, you got to understand we're talking about individuals versus systemic. These people were pretty much acting on their own behalf by themselves. They didn't, you know, they didn't come together as a body with people to hold the other uh, group down. So I think it's a little different there. Okay. I, I... Well, Go ahead. Well, they... <clears throat> What makes them the same was none of those people got through on their own. And I know we're looking at the story of Kilpatrick. It was that black community in Detroit that pushed him up, that pushed him up. And when he got there, he acted on his own and did all kinds of crazy crap. Uh, so they forgot, they get up there and like Leon said earlier, they forgot they can't get away with what the other people got away with. You you got to be different. Reverend Jesse Jackson Jr., you know, he, he had to be different. And, you know, when he went up there just firing off on his father the way he did with his mouth, that's where he lost me. And I'm not saying that Reverend, the Reverend Jackson was perfect. I mean, he... His sins came out at a time that was crucial for black people. But you know, you 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 went off and you fired off on your father, and come to find out your back door wasn't swept well. Okay. So, and then there's that congressman. Uh, I want to say his name was Jefferson from Louisiana when mm -hmm. the uh FBI raided his his house. house he yeah, had money, money in, the in the freezer and right. all that kind of crap. I right. mean Mm -hmm. Come on, man. Mm -hmm. But that's Come what I'm saying. <laughs> but yeah, we're so talking that's... about rogue individuals that get caught up. But, you know, I'm talking about more or less a community effort to bring the community together. When you look at, say, the Asian communities, they have prosperity and wealth. And a lot of them aren't really political. They just work together as a community. And they pool their money and they do work with key politicians and hold them accountable. So that's what's missing. When people get out of our community and move up the ladder, they need to be held accountable. So, so, in, 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 so I'm going to hold this example up. In Hawaii, mm -hmm. there's an indigenous population, and, mm -hmm. and they pushed back against legislation that was designed to help minorities because because it inconvenienced them a little bit. So so why would we get into a position? Blacks. Because uh, uh, if you remember, um, um, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard mm -hmm. caught heat for a couple of instances where um, policies that she was supporting um, were, were against the black community. So... So what I'm saying is, is that if we get into a group, then we're going to start becoming the, the whole idea of getting into that group, moving into that state um, and doing that is for our protection. It's like circling the wagons. Mm -hmm. We're going to we're going to work together to help each other as black people. There's a okay. possibility that we're going to become protectionist just like everybody else that is been as a group and and the examples that I point to are instances where the group helped elevate black leaders to positions and then those black leaders saw the opportunity for self enrichment and so I'm saying they have to, they have to be vetted and we have to understand who we're working with I understand what you're saying I, I get it. And, and I, I see where you're coming from. I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm going to tap people on the shoulder and say, you know, this sounds good in theory. Mm -hmm. You know, here's what has happened in practice. Right. I understand what you're saying. Here's what happened has happened in practice. Go ahead. And when you mention the other groups, there is a history of blacks working with uh, indigenous peoples and other groups, Hispanics and what have you, 
in helping them to get their stuff started and push and push their rights. Because I know, you know, so, so it's just like, like one of the guys I listened to is Roland Martin. He say, hey, during, and he named some incidences where we helped other groups get their stuff. He said, where are y'all at now that we need help that we're doing? Because see those, the the laws like what's been passed in Georgia, it's not just going to hurt us. Okay, it's going to hurt Hispanics. It's going to possibly hurt Asians. It's going to possibly hurt other people. And I mean, now, what, six Asians just got shot in Georgia? Mm-hmm. And the one white cop is already trying to get him off and not get it made into a hate crime. Oh, he was having a bad day. And he's having problems dealing with his uh, addiction to porn. And so he just went, he was having a bad day, so he just went and killed eight people. (laughs) You know, if any of us us are having a bad day and we go kill eight people, assuming that we got locked up alive, you know, there's no cop that's going to stand up for us like that. Well, if if we have this black community... Maybe there will start to be black cops that will stand up for that. You know, if we if we section off ourselves and we say, you know, this is for the enrichment of black people, then um, where do where do we draw the line between enriching the lives of black people and enriching the lives of Americans? Okay, so that's a tough question. There have to be a line. Huh? Because 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 we're we're trying to put in policies that that aid black people in overcoming the challenges that the previous lifestyles that or the racism just say mm-hmm. it as it is that racism has brought upon our community. So we we need to fight combat that, and so mm-hmm. we're going to look at it from the black lens. And so the policies in place, things that we can put into place are going to be from the black perspective. And if we move into a state and we take over 90 percent of the state, we're going to look at it as a black state. And we're going to implement laws and and, um, things for black people. But then there's a 10 percent that's not black. So how how are we going to craft those laws to ensure that that 10 percent is not um, oppressed. Well, those laws have to be fair and just, and they'll benefit everybody. You don't have to go in when you make a law, you don't have to say this is just for black people. It just has to be fair for black people instead of holding black people back. Okay. I'm going to give you the last word, Leonard, and then we're out of here. Well, using, uh, in, in response to your last statement, Warren, using that thing for Georgia, it's, we know who is intended to hurt and to harm. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of the talk about, oh, you know, this election was stolen from me and all the challenges he made. It wasn't all over the country. It was in certain sections where a majority of the vote or a heavy pop or a heavy concentration of vote was minority folks, black and brown. <clears throat> and so that's what they intended to do. And they didn't say, no, you don't have to do this. It just gets black people. But we know where that's going to happen because for a few years, quite a few years now, the targets of these things were already had actions. I had already had actions going against them. All righty. I want to thank you gentlemen for joining me this afternoon. I think it was an excellent show. We will be back next week on Friday with Karen Turk. Uh, everybody be safe and we'll look forward to seeing you next week. Altitude adjustment. And thank you for listening. 
This podcast is streamed live on YouTube and Twitch.tv and is designed for listener interaction. Visit the website, thelionsdenstl.wixsite.com forward slash home to join the discussion. The audio version of Altitude Adjustment is available where you get your podcasts, including Stitcher.com, the iTunes Store, and the Google Play Music Store, to name a few. Remember that the internet is powered by your likes, shares, and comments. So please like, share, and comment on this and other episodes of Altitude Adjustment because it matters. And as always, look out for the other guy because they may not be looking out for you.